It's wonderful to be back with you. Um, those of you who don't know me, as Graham says, uh, my name is, let me try and get somewhere right, so I don't feel I'm disenfranchising this section of the room, but I'm standing in front of the projector. That's, there we are, so roughly half, aren't we? Can you all see me up the back there? Hello, that's in the, the expensive seat. And uh, yeah, no, it's great to be with those of you who don't know me. Uh, my name is Mike Betts. I live uh, on the east coast uh, of Suffolk, uh, Lowestoft. You can't get any further east without getting wet. Um, and the nearest place to us is the Hook of Holland, just over uh, to us. That's roughly where we are geographically. My wife's name is Sue. We've got one son, and um, we've lived there all our lives. We, uh, about 30 years ago, we got involved in planting a church uh, in our hometown. We were both born and raised there. And uh, for the last 30 years, we've been just trying to learn as we go along, um, getting involved in planting churches and uh, uh, gradually seeing God do more and more amongst us to the point now where we've got this family of churches to which you are a part, in case you didn't realize, uh, called Relational Mission, uh, which is one of the the families of churches that um, New Frontiers has given birth to, as it were, as, uh, as families just keep growing. So it's wonderful to be here. I'm so uh, it was good to spend some time with uh, Graham and Sue last night. I came down last night just to catch up with them, and they're very dear friends. And this whole thing we're involved in is really about friendship, uh, being in sort of purposeful relationships, uh, not just doing stuff, but having friendships as we do stuff. And uh, so it's lovely to be here. I do believe, hopefully by the Lord's help, I'll be able to help you and serve you in some way this morning. Um, I... Every now and again, I kind of feel the Lord gives me themes, uh, sort of things that I just carry on my heart. And um, as I get slightly older, um, but not that old, slightly older, uh, I get to the point where I can't quite remember where I've preached each word. But I'm pretty sure I've not said this before. But on the basis that some of you are probably the same age, if not older than me, you probably can't remember either. So <laughs> I think we'll be all right. We'll probably get away with it. But I don't honestly think I have shared this here. This is just kind of a burden I've been carrying for a while. And just um, been sharing it around numbers of the churches that we work with. Uh, so um, if you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 3, I want to talk about making an impact uh, and uh, just catching up a little bit with Graham and Sue yesterday, hearing some of the stories of what God is doing among you, I, I just feel this is perhaps a help, helpful, timely focus in, from Scripture this morning, uh, and that the Lord will, will help us just to encourage you and strengthen you in the direction you're already going. I, I, I don't feel this is like a, something that you'll think, oh, we didn't know that. Uh, I think this is more a case of you thinking, yeah, we're doing that, but I just hopefully will try and pour some more fuel on the fire of what God is already doing among you. So we find this um, account in Acts chapter 3, and I'll read it, uh, it's the first 20 verses. Um, you'll forgive me if my voice sounds rather croaky today, I seem to have woken up with some sort of... Um, uh, I sound like Barry White at the moment, uh, so hopefully it'll get higher as I go along, so I'll keep... <laughs> yeah. If only I could sing like Barry White, that would, be, that would be good. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So I know you have two meetings, just to say it seems to indicate to me the first one's the best one, right? This is, this is the ninth hour, okay? 
those of you who come at 11, you've missed it. It's too late. Right, it's gone. Uh, at the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms or money of those entering the temple. Now, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. I do really believe, Holy Spirit, that you want to strengthen this church for many exploits There are many exploits ahead for this uh, company of people uh, in this area, beyond this area, into other nations even. There are many things you want to do, and I pray that your word would do what what you intend it to do this morning, that it would strengthen your church. I pray, Holy Spirit, for signs following this word. I pray that there will be demonstrations of your presence among us. Lord, I do believe that you don't just want us to have information, but impartation. And I pray, Lord, that by the Spirit, there would be life imparted today in different manifestations of your Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We, we, we welcome you. So welcome here. We... We give ourselves to you. We, we open the door for your activity. We, we don't want to prescribe, Holy Spirit, what you do or what you say or how you... You are the Lord. You, you are Lord here. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would even just now, as we just look at the word, rest on people, that your presence would be upon us, that things would start to even happen, that you orchestrate even as we go through... Uh, this next um, while together. So we, we, give them, we give this time to you, we, we put ourselves in your hands, and we ask for you to be, uh, to, to be 
glorifying Jesus in our midst, that we might love him and serve him all the more. Uh, for his name's sake we pray. Amen. So this uh, account is, is really quite um, striking. You often find as you read through Acts, which is really the story of the, the early church, the first, you know, the first sort of uh, wave of church life, you get stories of, of corporate things, but then you get also every now and again there's a focus on an individual story, and this is one of those kind of things picked out almost as a, a little highlight, as an example of what was going on. Just a, a day, a, this was daily life, Peter and John just going about their normal business, they had a routine of life, they were just going around their daily lives. This wasn't a conference, this wasn't a, a special healing meeting, this was, this was just them doing what they did regularly, going to the temple to pray. It was just part of how they were outworking their daily lives now as, uh, as the Lord just was building the church. And there's some things I think we can, we can see from this story that I think will help us learn how to make an impact. Because making an impact is what God intends us to do. We are not supposed to be a bland, anonymous group of people in the society we're living in. We're supposed to make an impact. And the first point I want to make, therefore, is that the church makes an impact in the community in which it lives. I want you to look at the verses uh, the phrase is used in verse 10 and verse 11. This amazing miracle takes place, and in verse 10 it says, people who, who recognized what had happened, who heard about what had happened, were filled with wonder and amazement. Right? This is the community at large, as well as the church, but it's mostly the community at large who saw this guy get healed they were filled with wonder and amazement. And then in verse 11, even more, it says they were astounded or astonished, some versions put. They ran together to the portico. They flooded in to where Peter and John were. Such was the impact of this physical miracle that it ripples went out throughout the whole community, causing wonder, amazement, and astonishment. Listen. The job of the church on earth is to cause wonder, amazement, and astonishment. That is our job. We are to cause ripples. We are to make an impact. We are to be noticed. You'll find here, even to, and we'll get to looking at Jesus, so don't think I've lost the plot, just, but just stick with me. right? In verse 4, Peter and John, when this man came to them in need... They said, look at us, look at us, look at us. There is something appropriate about the church when it engages with community, when it engages with the world around us, whereby with integrity we need to say to the community around us, look at us, look at us, we have something you need. We're not to be intimidated, we're not to be arrogant, and this wasn't an arrogant look at us, this was a, we've got what you're looking for, We've got something you need. Look at us. Give us your attention. Pay attention to the church in your community. Pay attention to us. Look at us. Don't be distracted. Look at us. He even went on to say, you know, silver and gold, the kind of stuff you think you need, we haven't got. You could go elsewhere to other agencies or people for that. But what we do have, we'll give you. So look at us. It's time, really, for the church to... We, we live in a, in the Western world, we live in a very intimidating environment for the church. 
We don't face outright persecution like some of our dear brothers and sisters. You see some across the Middle East and across Ukraine and places at the moment where people are really genuinely, you know, facing life and death situations. In the West, we don't tend to face that at the moment, praise God. But we do face another form of persecution. It's a persecution of shame. Our society tries to make us feel ashamed of the gospel. It tries to make us feel you're a bunch of idiots, you don't know what you're talking about, you're out of step with cultural thinking, you're locked in the past, you're not relevant, you haven't got anything to say. Those are intimidatory thoughts. Now it's about time we started to do what Paul said, not be ashamed of the gospel. Because we have to understand that's the way the devil, that's where the enemy is working in our society, to rob us of confidence. To make us kind of say, well, yeah, I am a... So when you're in the office, you think, well, yeah, I, do I say I'm a Christian? Do I say I go to church? Do I say I believe the Bible? Do I say I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do I say that I do believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God? Yes, you do, in appropriate ways. Because we mustn't be afraid of who we are and what we have. Peter and John said, look at us. Now, how we cause wonder and amazement, I think, has a, has a variety of outworkings. Uh, And this is what I want to to just um, commend you for. Now, we do still see today God doing miraculous healing, right? God still heals miraculously. Some of you, even this morning, God may touch you miraculously at the end where we just have a little time when we might just pray for one or two people. I, I still see God healing people miraculously. In actual fact, the more I've prayed for people and the more I go for it, the more I do see people healed. There are many who are not healed. There are many mysteries. There are many people you pray for loads of times and nothing happens. Um, many of you know my own story. My wife, my wife's been, had a severe back disability from some surgery that didn't go right 20 years ago. She's not been healed. But we both keep praying for people, and I've seen loads and loads of people healed from many things. One story uh, just down the road when I was in Canterbury a few years ago, I was in a meeting, uh, and I don't say this for my own glory because I was more surprised than she was, to be honest. I was in the meeting, and I just pointed in the corner. I said, there's a lady over there with a... Oh, I didn't even say a lady. I said, there's someone over there with a heart condition, and God is healing you right now. And then I moved on to something else. There was no response. We didn't pray for anybody. I just moved on. And I even left the meeting. There was no response. Three weeks later, or four weeks later... This lady called Natasha wrote to me. She actually only lives about 10 miles from where I live. She was a student at Canterbury. She was born with a bicuspid heart valve, which is only like two heart valves, which is quite a serious debilitating condition. And so she'd been under a cardiologist um, monitoring and managing this situation all of her life. In that moment, when I pointed to that over to the corner, God grew a third heart valve. So she is now tricuspid. I have her cardiologist's report. She sent it to me. I've got it in my journal, and it said, heart readings normal, tricuspid valve, all all normal, present discharge. She's discharged. God grew a heart valve in the meeting. Now, 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 that doesn't happen every day. I still see her. She's completely healed five years later. She's completely 100% healed. God does miraculous healing today. Now, this was an incident that happened. They weren't doing this necessarily every day, and it wasn't like every... I mean, they must have walked past hundreds of people begging to get to that one guy 
you know, so, so there is a, there's a kind of a mystery and a sovereignty and a, and a who knows, there's a now and a not yet. We live in a broken world, but God breaks in. I, I can't understand it, but I do know this. The church mustn't ever stop praying for people who are unwell because we will see miraculous healing. And one of the things I really want to try and encourage you to do is just to be confident praying for people. Do you know this? If you are in your office, your school, your, with your neighbours, your friends at the school gate, wherever you are in the supermarket, and you just get chatting to people, and this is such a broken world, this is such a broken world where people have got so many needs, if somebody needs prayer for a personal situation or a physical illness, and you just say, look, I'm a Christian, would, would, you mind, would, would it be okay with you if I just prayed with you? And you pray, do you know what? Even if they don't get healed... The worst that can happen is they know you love them. What harm can you do? They're not going to get worse, are they? But really, they're not going to get worse, all right? <laughs> you're really not. You're, you're, <laughs> they're not going to get worse. You're somebody thinking, oh, I don't know where they get worse. No, they're not going to get worse. All you're doing is bringing the love of God, and who knows what God might do. So, so sometimes we think, well, I don't know if I can share the gospel with someone yet. No, but you can pray for them in their need. They don't even have to be a Christian or become a Christian to be healed. Right? This is just an overflow of God's love. We don't even particularly know what happened to this guy. We don't know whether he went on to do a discipleship group, a Word Plus group, whether he became a house group leader. Whether he, we don't know. what He just got healed. And he didn't even want to be prayed for. <laughs> just look at us. It's a boom. It's not like, you know, he'd been nurtured through to a point where he wanted to make a commitment. No, he's just, bang! He's <laughs> just, bang! You know, look at us. We're not going to give you that. We'll give you this. Boom! Are you up for that? Because if you don't do it, no one else will. See, you, you are God's ambassadors. You are the Peter and John of your day. They weren't any different to you. They had nothing that you don't have. It's just that we read them in the Bible. I think, oh, they're in the Bible doesn't make them any different to you they were just people followers of jesus who just knew that they were called to make an impact and so they just said well what we have the holy spirit within us what we have we will share with you now god can make an impact through your life and through this church in in many more ways other than just the miraculous but i don't want us to sideline the miraculous i want to say no keep doing that the kingdom comes in words, works, and wonders, right? So we, it's words, we're telling, we tell people the gospel. There is a gospel to respond to. There is truth to believe. It comes through wonders, amazing miracles, but it also comes through works. The, the, the epistle of James talks about if we, if we have faith but we now have works, then your faith is useless. If you say to someone in need, go and keep well, be well fed, I wish you well, but don't do anything, what use is it? There is something about us rolling up our sleeves metaphorically and getting stuck into the community. And this is what I really want to commend you for as a church. I think amongst our family of churches, you are one of the churches at the forefront of pressing those boundaries, seeing what you can do. I just was thrilled hearing the story about the, the pain clinic that you run. Where's the lady who runs that? Are you in here? Oh, there you are. I mean, I th- it was great. I, it, was, it was great. Just, I, I just sort of was hearing from Graham, just... Some, just out of your situation, you thought, you know what, I'm just going to try and make an impact to those around me in a similar situation to me. Uh, amazing, amazing. Uh, hearing about the furniture project, hearing about lots of things that you're doing at, at the hub and with the, the, the kind of the, the different things of, of, of well-being that you're doing in the community, that makes an impact. 
It makes an impact. If just out of the overflow of your life, what God has put in your hands, you think, I'm going to give what I have into this community to make an impact, God can do that through you. You might think you're very insignificant. You might think, how on earth can I make a difference? I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, sort of well-positioned in influence. I'm not a politician. I'm not a business person. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not someone who's a really strong leader. I don't know how to orchestrate these things. You don't need to. You just need to be a man or woman filled with the Holy Spirit and available. And if God asks you to do something, do it. Do you know, all God wants from us is obedience and faith. That's all he wants. I've, I try my best. My, people often say to me, uh, how, where is relational mission going? What's the vision? I, I, honestly, I don't know. All I do is I just do what God tells me. And my prayer is often, Lord, just keep helping me to do what you tell me. Help me to hear you and then give me the grace to do it. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I never have had. But all I, all I do seem to have the grace to do is I hear what he's saying and then by the, by, more out of fear of God than anything else, I think, well, I'd better do it even if I don't particularly want to do it. I just do it because I think, well, you've told me to do it. It's not, I haven't got any choice. I have no rights, do I? You know, I'm his. I belong to him. I, mean, I haven't got a choice. If you, if you work for someone and your boss says, do this, you don't say, well, I just don't feel I want to. When you, <laughs> well, some of you might, but you wouldn't have a job for very long. You know, if, you, if your boss says, I'd like you to do this, I'd like you to go there, you don't say, well, well I'm just not feeling it. You know, and yet we, somehow we think the Christian life, well, I, I don't know if that really, you know, I don't, I'm, just, I'm not sure, not feeling it. No, we have a boss. We have a boss. And he's a good boss. He will always give us things to do that actually are for our good as well as for the blessing of those around us. He will never ask you to do something that will damage you. He will only ask you to do something that will, that will enlarge you as a person and will make an impact. Obedience and faith makes an impact. Even if it's painful, difficult, and all sorts of things take place that are struggles. We read the book of Acts. It's a struggle. If you want to be a kingdom impactor, it's a struggle. You are immediately serving notice to the enemy, and he will watch you. you know, he's, a, he's not interested at all in Christians that are not doing anything. He will let them sing their songs and do their prayer meetings. He's absolutely fine with that. He will even join in. You know, he'll just join in with the singing. Great, let's just keep the songs going. No, the, but when the devil starts to notice is when we get serious and we say, right, now we're going to start making an impact. Then you will notice that he's not prepared to just let you keep singing songs. And this is what Peter and John did. They made an impact. They, just, they knew who they were. Now, sometimes we can make an impact... Some of you might be in a situation you think, well, you know, there's so much going on in my life at the moment that's really difficult, really painful, really all-consuming. I haven't got any capacity to do much for anyone else. I've barely got any capacity to pray for someone else. I am clinging on to uh, life and the normality of life by my fingertips. I am faced... You've no idea what I'm going through. Listen, if you are in that situation which... Many of us go through at different points in our lives. You can make an impact by the way you live for Christ through that. 
Because living for Christ through terrible ordeal, through persistent trial, through perhaps you've been accused at work of something wrong, perhaps you've suffered ill health that's just got worse, perhaps you've got loved ones that are, uh, you're very troubled about because their lives are filled with great deal of, 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 of trouble at the moment. And you're, 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 you're weighed down by cares that seem to can be all-consuming. Listen, you can live your life trusting Jesus through the storm so that people around you look at your life and they think, I don't know what it is you've got, but how are you doing that? That's just as much an impact as praying to, to trust God when you don't get healed and still rejoice in him is almost as big a miracle as seeing someone get healed. Because there's something about our lives that speaks when we let the kingdom take root in our circumstances. We, we, we can just let the kingdom take root. And, and we don't even have to try to think, right, I'm going to really try to be positive. No, it's, it's grace. There's a grace that comes on us and God, God helps us to do things we couldn't normally do. I remember there was a guy in our church. Uh, he's gone to glory now. He's an older guy. And um, he had an amazing uh, grace of God on him uh, to rejoice in life. And he once had to have an operation where he had both... Yeah, both of his knee, knees replaced. And in those days, this was going back, I don't know, 15, 20 years, uh, they stapled his flesh together with metal staples after the operation. I'm sorry, forgive me if you're queasy. All right, okay, won't get any worse than that. But I remember seeing, seeing these staples. In a lot of pain, a lot of pain he was in, in hospital. And um, he, t- <laughs> he told me this story that one night one of the nurses came to him and said... Um, Mr. Long, would you mind not singing so loudly? Because <laughs> you're keeping the other patients awake. And his way of coping with the pain was to sing hymns. He, he sang through the pain. I mean, I, I'd have been saying, give me morphine, anything, I don't care, just f- drugs, anything, just to help me. Yeah, I, the thought of that, just think, how do you do that? How do you do that? That's a supernatural grace of God on him to just trust God and sing to God through pain. He made an impact in that whole ward because of a grace of God that came on him in that moment. I don't know what you're going through. You may go through, you know, your situation may be far worse than that even. But I tell you this, if you just do what Peter and John did, make yourself available, know what it is that that you have by the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to make an impact, then who knows what God will do with this church? Who, who knows what ripples will go out in, in Ashford and surrounding area? So making an impact is about saying, look at us. Look at us. There's something about the stature of the church that in our day we mustn't be afraid to say, no, there is something about us. We're not irrelevant. Look at us. Deep down, you know, the media might laugh at us. Most people are saying, is there any hope in life? Is there any hope in life? Most people are asking that question. And we might, get, we might kind of get the raw end of people's humour. But deep down, they're looking at us thinking, I wonder if you are right. I wonder if you are right. Because everyone wants to know the answer to that question, what happens when I die? It doesn't matter how clever or how confident you are in life, we all face death. Don't we? We're all the, the greatest enemies known to man, sin and death. 
And Jesus defeated them. We have the answers. We have the answers. Look at us. Look at us. We have the answers. That's really powerful. Really important. So, um, then I I want us to notice that um, making an impact is about helping people get to know Jesus. Now, this is where the switch takes place. And um, in verse 4, they're saying, look at us. But then in verse 12, they say, don't look at us. Isn't that weird? They say, look at us, don't look at us. Verse 12, when Peter saw the people rushing towards where they were, they said, why do you wonder at this? Why are you staring at us? They could say, well, you told us to. (laughs) But he said, don't look at us. As if by our own power or godliness, we've made this happen. We're just stewards. So there's this look at us, don't look at us. Our role is to attract attention so that we can deflect attention. All right, we are to gather attention through what we do in the community. Jesus can't do in the community what we can do, right? Because he's not here. Just making an obvious point. If, if Jesus wants to heal someone, he can't do it physically. He's not here. Oh, yes. Look, it, just think about this. There is a restriction to what Jesus wants to do at the moment. Now you say, oh yes, but he does it through the Holy Spirit. Yes, but he can't do it without somebody with their hands laying their hand, hands on someone. We, he can't do his will without us. Are you, are you with me? Right Now you might think, yes, but God's sovereign. He can do whatever. He, no, he can't. He, Jesus is in heaven. We have a man in heaven, physically in heaven, who has poured out his spirit on us that we might be fruitful for his glory. That's how God set it up. He wants people to do what Jesus would do if he was here. So we say, look at us. Why? Because we're ambassadors. Don't look at us. We're just messengers of someone else. We point people to Jesus. Do you know, pointing people to Jesus is the most important thing you can ever do for someone in their life. There might be some of you here this morning and you're not Christians and you're, you're kind of looking at the meaning of life. You're trying to work out what does life mean? What is truth? What's the Bible all about? How do I become a Christian? Listen, it is a relationship with Jesus Christ that you need. It's knowing Jesus Christ that you, that you need to come to terms with. You won't find any answers to life by uh, bypassing Jesus. It's about pointing people to Jesus. Just say the name of Jesus together. Ready? Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. We've got to get more used to commending Jesus to people. Not being ashamed of our Jesus story. Telling people, you might not be able to argue in the workplace. People come up with all sorts of questions about evolution and dinosaurs and all sorts of stuff that's going on in the world today. Why does God allow this? Well, you might know, not know any of the answers to any of that, but what you can do is tell them your Jesus story. You can just tell them how you met Jesus. And Peter and John say, don't look at us. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. You, he was crucified. He was delivered over. He was raised from the dead. It's faith, verse 16, it's faith in his name that's made this man strong. It's faith It's knowing and faith through Jesus that's given this man the perfect health that you all see. Looking at Jesus, knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus is the saviour, knowing he he saves, he heals, restores, he keeps. Verse 13, God has glorified Jesus. Verse 16, faith through Jesus. 
The crucial difference between the church and any other organization doing good things for people, and praise God for anybody who does anything good for the common good. Praise God for that. We want to applaud and work with anyone who does anything to, to liberate people from poverty, difficulty. Or, we want to we applaud anyone who does anything good. But, but the crucial difference between us and everybody else who might do good things is this. We do it in the name of Jesus. Never, ever hide his name in what we do. If people like what we do but don't like the name, too bad. Because we're doing it on his behalf. It's on his behalf. So it's look at us. We might be the entry point. Look at us. And notice they didn't even mention Jesus when they served the man. Right? They, 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 there wasn't, it wasn't like we've got to just tell him about Jesus, give him our, our story before we heal him. No, they met his need first. But it led to him then being told about Jesus. There is a, there's, that was their way through with this guy. So we, we, we must get to the point of pointing people to Jesus, very simply. And if I could encourage everyone in every church in relational mission to simply get more and more confident telling people your Jesus story, I think we would see a lot more people come to know Jesus. <laughs> because it, it is really our simple stories. And you might think, well, my story's not very exciting. There weren't any sort of, um, it, it wouldn't make a good film. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's your story. It's your story. And your story of how you met Jesus really does make an impact. It makes an impact. So be confident in your story. Love your story. Be thankful for your story. Think about the grace of God on your life. The story that you have, how you came to know Jesus. And you point people to Jesus. And then the, the last thing in making an impact is this. We find that... <clears throat> Jesus helps people find new life. There's an impact of new life that takes place. In verse 20, there's this wonderful phrase where it says that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Isn't that a lovely phrase? Times of refreshing. If, if I said to you, hands up, everyone who would like a time of refreshing in their life, how many pounds would go up? If, if I said, right, if you, if you line up afterwards, I can guarantee you I've got something uh, to pass on to you that will give you a time of refreshing. I mean, if you advertise a holiday, this holiday will bring such a time of refreshing. This job will give you such a time of refreshing. This house will give you such... Everybody would, would buy everything you said that would give them... People want that. All of us live longing for a sense of the refreshing time in life, a season of refreshing. It's wonderful. Now that's what it's like coming to know Jesus. It's like a time of refreshing. It's amazing. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Jesus has the power to touch and change lives and bring people from utter despair to a time of refreshing. What about that? Isn't that amazing? Now, as Christians, many of us still struggle with things. There's all kind of, you've got to live in the world and it's difficult sometimes. But I tell you this, there is an ongoing sense of living in a time of refreshing that gets you through all of it. Isn't there? Yeah. There's something, there's a treasure in this earthen vessel that keeps you feeling that somehow you're kept somehow above what should drag you down. Somehow, you just, 
that this, this season of refreshing that we've come into, when, if you're a Christian here today, you've come into a season of refreshing. Your life is a season of refreshing, whereas before it was a storm-tossed sea. Praise God that you came to know Jesus. I often think to myself, where would I be now if, I, if God had not broken in? What damage would I have done to other people and to myself? What kind of hopeless muddle would my life have been if Jesus had not broken in? But he did. And I don't understand everything now. I don't even like everything now. Sometimes life is difficult. But when I think what it would have been like, there's a season of refreshing in my life. There's something in my life I wouldn't have had and could never have found. I dread to think what life would be like without Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're living life without Jesus, I applaud you. People say, oh, the church is a crutch. It's not a crutch. It's a life support system. I don't, I don't need a crutch. I need all the help I get. I need to be, I need to be plugged in completely. See why well, you can't do life. No, can you? I mean, if you think, if you, think you can live life without Jesus and manage quite, then the, come and tell me how, please. Because if you've got a better idea than Jesus, I'll, I'll listen. I will listen. If you think, no, I, I don't need the Lord. Oh, foolish person. Really? Really? What are you thinking? I wouldn't want to take one step in this life unless I knew I had a heavenly father who got my back and who completely knows my future, my past. It's all in his hands and he cares for me with such tender love. I wouldn't want to set foot out outside the front door. I wouldn't want to go to sleep at night. You think I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of my own destiny. Dear God, no. If you're not a Christian, that's, you are completely on your own. Man, you're mad. I mean, forgive me, but you are. You think, oh, yeah, well, I don't need that religion. You do. You do. We all need a saviour. We all need a saviour. However confident you are in life, one day in your life you will face something you can't handle. Even if it's the last day, day of your life and you know you're approaching death, at that moment, even if you've managed everything else well in life, you will reach a point where you think, I am afraid of what is going to happen next. And you know what? You're right to be afraid. Because without a saviour, you're in deep (laughs) doo-doo. There's a fear of God that we need to... We are creatures. Finite creatures. We all need that time refreshing. Now you think, well, okay, how do we get that? Okay, you're convincing me. I, I, I need to seek the Lord. How does a community get transformed? How do we get this time of refreshing? How do we, how do we cross this line? How, do we, how does Jesus help my life be different? Well, we find the answer in verse 19. It says, repent therefore and turn again. Now, repent is a really unpleasant word in the English language as we use it. It's a harsh word. It it conjures up all sorts of images. When we say repent, we tend to think of someone walking down the high street with a sandwich board on, kind of turn or burn, or the end is nigh, or repent therefore. You know, it's a very un... It's a clumsy word. I want to help define what that word means in a more biblical way, because the meaning of the word is given straight after the word. Repent, therefore, and turn again. See, repentance is this. 
You can be walking along life in your own way. You've made your way in life. You've got your opinions. You've got your uh, philosophies of life. You've got your value system. You've got uh, all the things that you've gathered around in your life, the things you hold dear, the things you place value on, your opinions, all, all of this stuff. And you're walking a certain way. You're thinking a certain way about life. Uh, now, when you meet Jesus, all of that has to be surrendered to him, and you turn. And you then begin a journey where you actually kneel figuratively, you, you kneel at the cross where Jesus died, and you give your life to him. You, you've turned from your life, you've turned, and you've said, Jesus, I leave my life, I abandon my life, I, I, I crucify my life with you on the cross, I give my life to you, you turn. And in that moment of turning, you are, you are giving the Lord permission to reshape your life. So he will then begin to work on your attitudes, your opinions, your philosophy of life your what you think is valuable and what you think isn't the the choices you make the words you use the deeds you do the actions you take all of those things are you turn see when you become a christian it's not like well i've got my 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 wife or my husband i've got my children i've got my house i've got my car got my job just had a lovely holiday oh now i've got jesus as well got the full set fantastic Got this life sorted and the next. Brilliant. So that's, that is a materialistic gospel. That's a consumerist gospel. That is not the gospel. The gospel is when you become a Christian, you give Jesus your husband, your wife, your children, your car, your house, your job, your holiday, all your money, every choice that you ever make, you now surrender completely to him and they're all his. And he might give them back. Usually he does because he's very kind. But the point is, they're not yours anymore. The Bible says you are not your own, you were bought at a price. When we become Christians, we die. You have no rights anymore. We have no human rights as Christians because we're dead. You think, well, hang on a minute. I do have rights. No, you don't. The only rights you have, you surrendered when you turned. And Jesus gives you the right to be called children of God. He will then shape and govern our future. He decides how long we live, what we do, where we go. He is Lord over our life. Repentance is not just saying sorry for doing a few naughty things and saying a few naughty words. Repentance is a complete surrender of life to the will of somebody else. So Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior. Now the only way you would ever entrust another person with all of that is if they proved themselves to be utterly trustworthy with it. Jesus is. Because God is good. He is kind. He is loving. And I would much rather him tell me what my life should look like than me try and make it up myself. Because he does a much better job at helping me live life than I ever would. 
but it comes at a price. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. And they left everything and followed him. That is from the first disciples to the last disciple who becomes a Christian before Jesus returns. That principle will never change. I mean, it's sobering stuff. This is sobering. You think, hang on a minute. This is sounding a bit expensive. Completely. Who can do this? Nobody. It's beyond any one of us. We need the Holy Spirit to help us do this. Because we keep trying to take our life back when we get a bit nervous. Oh, hang on, that's too far. You're asking me to do this. I can't do that. I'll go this way. No, turn, turn. If we want to make an impact in this community, we have to, by the grace of God, say, Lord, we're weak, we're frail, we're very often afraid, we very often feel we can't do it, we struggle with sin, we struggle with all sorts of things, but Lord, by your grace, we turn, we turn, and we say, Lord, if you can do anything with us, we're yours, we're yours. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just do what you ask us to do, even though we feel weak and frail. That's all the disciples did. They weren't superstars. They were always fighting with each other and making the wrong choices and Peter was a disaster. Just And now look at what he's doing. You know, Peter was not good on the team. And now we find him and John starting a riot in a good sense by just being obedient. You might think of yourself as being, well, I'm not a very good Christian. No, not, not a very good Christian. Listen, you don't have to have it all sorted. You just have to be obedient. He'll sort you out on the journey. He sorted Peter out on the journey. Does that make sense to you? It's quite, I mean, this is not an easy word. And I don't say it because I think this is easy. I'm still struggling to do this. I often have to come back to the cross and say, Lord, I just give you my life again. I give you my life again. That seasons of refreshing may come. Because there's a cost there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost, not only of our own choices, but there's a cost. There's difficulty, there's setback. There's, as we go out into a world that won't always receive us, the world, won't, the world sometimes will take what we offer and then walk away. Or they won't even want to hear what we've got to say. We've got to understand we're preparing people for rejection as well as success. You know, that's, Jesus was rejected sometimes. Even Jesus was rejected. So why do we think we'll always be accepted? And you think, well, I, so this week you might go into your school or your workplace and you think, right, I'm going to tell my Jesus story. And they might go, ah, rubbish. And you think, ah, blinking Mike Betts, he told me to do that. If I hadn't listened to, what did he tell me to do that for? And that made me look a right idiot. Well, that's what happened to Jesus sometimes. Well, I didn't promise you 100% success But I did say to you, we've got to be willing to do just what Peter and John did. Whatever happens, whatever happens, just tell your story. So I'd like to just pray for us now that um, I believe God wants to just come and and anoint you as a church. Because, I mean, you're already doing this stuff. You're already doing this stuff. And I think this is just like a new gear, perhaps, that the Lord wants to just really encourage you and say, go, church, go. You know, set an example for the believers all over this area. Set an example by what you do that will spur others on to what, to what God wants to do. So let's stand together. And um, 
just to help me make sure I'd... Uh, what sort of time have we got? Oh, 15 minutes. Okay, right, that's fine. Um, what I'd like to do first is just simply to say, if you're here this morning and you would like to come to know uh, Jesus, um, if you'd like to come to know Jesus, uh, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front or anything like that, but I'd just like you, just very quickly, just put your hand up so I can see who you are, and Graham will have a little look around so that we can see who you are, so we can just talk to you afterwards. The rest, everybody else, just shut your eyes, all right? And do it, uh, we'll make it easy for everybody. Right, but I think there are some people here, and you've thought to yourself, well, I, I know I need to get to know Jesus. So if you are one of those people, just put your hand up very quickly, just so I can see who you are. We're not going to badger you or pester you. We're just simply going to pray with you afterwards and just chat to you and help you sort of point you in the right direction so you can find out a bit more. There's a lady at the back there. That's great. Thank you. Just keep your hand up so we can see who you are. That's great. Lovely. Now you can put your hand down again. That's great. Uh, it's just really so I can see, see who is... Um, anyone else just want to say, I'd really like to come to know Jesus this morning. This will be the best decision you've ever made in your life, really, because, you know, he's the saviour, all right? So anyone else, just put your hand up very quickly and then put it down again. I think there's, I think there's perhaps two or three more people, I just feel. Um, really, there's nothing to be afraid of, right? We're, here, we're, this, we're trying to help you, all right? I'm trying to help you. This will be the best journey you've begun so okay just one more minute i'll give it right some of you perhaps just wrestling thinking i don't i don't really know this is a big step yeah it is a big step it really is a big step and you're not committing yourself to something that you can't get out of we're just saying no um i want to i want to pursue knowing jesus and, and see for myself taste and see that the lord is good the bible says